Hello, we are getting into conflict today. It's all about mediation and how to get rid of bad members of your committee. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review and I edit the flatchat.com.au website. And I'm Sue Williams, property writer and author. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Hello, Sue. Hi, Jimmy. We're talking about mediation today. Have you ever been to mediation? Um, yes, I have, a couple of times. It wasn't very satisfactory. Oh, really? I think my expectations were a little bit too high, but maybe you'll tell me what I was doing wrong. Well, tell me what your expectations were. <laughs> well, I guess I kind of expected the person in charge of the mediation to listen to both sides and then make a ruling to say that I was right. Right. And that didn't actually There's happen. two things there that wouldn't <laughs> happen. <laughs> Depending on who the mediator is, because some of them are very good. Um, the uh, Yeah, a good mediator will listen to both sides. Uh, a bad mediator just takes sides and, um, and neither of them will issue a ruling. Well, not in New South Wales anyway. No, well, I kind of think if a bad mediator, there'd be good mediator if they took your side. Yes, well, I think that's the general. Yeah, Generally, that's people true. would say he's mm. a good me- mediator. He agreed with me, or she agreed with me. Mm. So, mediation. This is in New South Wales and elsewhere uh, is a precursor to action at a tribunal. Now, for most things in New South Wales, it is a mandatory precursor. Uh, you have to go to mediation if you want to take action at the tribunal. So that's uh, in hope of them finding a solution before it goes on? Yeah, the, the theory is that you will go in there and chat about it and suddenly go, oh, I've just realised there's a, a possible compromise here. Yeah, it's it's compromise. Everybody gives a bit and, and everybody gains a bit. That's in New South Wales. Other states have, have different systems. In Victoria, you have to have an internal disputes resolution system. Did you know that? No. Is that is that kind of the same thing? Really, no, or? no, no, no. This is in your apartment block. They have oh. to have organised so that when you say, I'm fed up with my neighbour constantly drilling every night, they have to have a system whereby they can attempt to mediate a resolution. Okay, so they nominate... Somebody on their executive committee, or they yep. bring in an outside consultant. Or they bring in an outside, yes, yeah, somebody mm. who actually knows what they're doing, which is good. Well, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? No, that is not mandatory. But then, when you're you go forward with this to you know make it official, Victoria is weird because apartment owners or residents can go to a dispute resolution service, which I'm writing about in this week's uh, Fin Review. Um, You can go to a dispute resolution service and they will try and sort it out for you. The owner's corporation doesn't do that. They go straight to the tribunal. And if you take your owner's corporation to the dispute resolution thing, they don't have to turn up. So, oh, yeah. okay. So it feels kind of slightly pointless, mm. but maybe it's just the way I'm presenting it. <laughs> and does it cost money? I don't think so. I think they used to, used to be here in New South Wales, you had to pay a fee uh, for mediation. That's gone. It's all free now. Um, but also in New South Wales, you can say that you want mediation against somebody and uh, they don't have to turn up. You mm. do because you started the thing, but they don't. So, And a lot of people just go, well, look, I'm just going to wait till this gets to the tribunal. Right. So um, 
they do claim a very high success rate in, mm. in their mediations, but I'm not sure how, what their actual measure is. I don't see a column under people who got fed up and just gave up, which, <laughs> which I suspect is quite a large proportion. Sure. I remember the last time I went to mediation or something, the other person didn't turn up, and the mediator actually phoned them on their mobile. Right. And... Um, and and the person really didn't want to have anything to do with it, but the mediator was so insistent that in the end, he he was driving his car yeah. and he was in Melbourne, yeah. and it was a Sydney dispute, and he the mediator made him pull over, right. <laughs> and did the mediation by phone, um, while he was sitting by the side of a road, <laughs> yeah, which wasn't terribly satisfactory, and I could hear him getting more and more annoyed, but in the end he kind of agreed to lots of compromises, and I think it was purely because all this traffic was whizzing past him and he was late for an appointment and he just kind of thought, I can't be bothered to continue this. It's all a matter of timing then. Yes. <laughs> now, in Queensland, if you want to go through the mediation and tribunal process, you have to prove that you've tried to uh, resolve this personally. Okay, well, showing them emails and things like yeah, that. Yeah, you, know, you know, saying I, I spoke to this person and they... Uh, they refused to take part, you know, mm. they, they didn't want to talk about it or they told me to get staffed or whatever. So before you can even go to the mediation thing, you've got to have shown that you've tried to do it yourself, then you've got to do the mediation, then you do the tribunal. But it's interesting, in Queensland, the whole strata thing comes under their attorney general's office. Oh, gosh. Or, or okay. the equivalent. Yeah. So you're going straight into a, a quasi-legal system right from the off. Mm. Which I think probably helps, to be honest, because I am not a great believer in, I shouldn't say this, but I have my doubts about mediation. Right. And I say that as someone who's just launched <laughs> a case. <laughs> but mediation can work and should work to help people resolve their disputes, because that's what you want at the end. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make. They say, I'm taking you to fair trading, and they expect fair trading is going to say, wow, this person has been badly treated you've got to pay a fine or something. And sure. that's just not going to happen, as you discovered. Mm, yeah. I guess it's good to be able to to solve something at mediation because then you're not actually paying big sums of money and it doesn't allow the dispute to drag on and drag on and both sides become really, you know, angry and bitter and, yeah. you know, kind of sour, really. So maybe it's good to actually nip it in the bud earlier with mediation if it works. Do you think there's a cathartic... Uh, element to going to mediation like you you get to get it all off your chest and 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 the other person is forced to listen yeah i think so um because that can be really handy especially in a situation where they're not prepared to listen yeah but then they probably wouldn't turn up anyway would they i have been told that the some of the most successful mediations occur when one party or another is absolutely certain that they're right. They go into the mediation thinking, I am totally right, There's no, I don't have to concede anything. And then when the mediator says, well, maybe you're not 100% right, they start to go, oh, right, mm. now I have to think about this. Sure, because I guess they become very defensive when someone tells them they're wrong, but when it's a mediator, they actually have to listen. Yes, exactly. All right, so we've sorted out mediation. We've got that under under wraps. Actually, we know somebody who is a professional mediator, um, and she refuses to do strata stuff. Because she finds it so complex and people get so angry. Yeah, that's right. She's done some, I think, but 
After a while, she decided to stop. She prefers doing corporate mediation because (laughs) I guess it probably pays more money as well, to be honest. But um, the disputes are probably much easier to resolve, I would think. Well, there's so much at stake. You know, as somebody said to me once that uh, the reason philosophers uh, get so involved in heated arguments is because the stakes are so low. Uh, Okay, well, after this, we're going to talk about taking the disputes to a whole new level. And that is, what do you do if you want to get rid of one of your committee members or even the chairperson of your strata scheme? That's after this. Okay, we're back. Now, just imagine... Uh, that you've, you're in a scheme where you've got a despotic, neurotic, psychotic chairperson and you want to get rid of them. How do you do it? Do you know, Sue? Well, um, you can organise a coup. Right. Um, you can get lots of people to sign um, a petition saying that you want to hold an extraordinary general meeting. Right. And you hold that extraordinary general meeting and you get rid of your executive committee and re- replace them with a new one. That's pretty major. It is. It, I've been involved in that process once, and it's really hard work, and it involved a couple of us standing at the reception for people coming in <laughs> and asking them to sign our petition. And it was just awful, and it dragged on and on and on. And you and can't do it secretly then. <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> so, yeah, so it is, it is difficult, but there are circumstances in which perhaps there's no alternative and, that you know, you have to take extra extreme measures. But is there a, a better way, Jimmy? Well, the other way is, is to wait till the AGM for the election. I, and I'm absolutely convinced. I mean, I'm even I, having studied them a thousand times, I look at all the rules about who's entitled to vote at an AGM and who isn't. And I, I reckon you could just go through all the, the rules in the law and in the regulations and just knock off all the other candidates. <laughs> you know, like two people who are joint owners mm. in an apartment can't both be on the committee. It's only one person per apartment. But if they own two apartments, then they can be they can each be nominated. You can't be nominated by somebody who is standing for uh, election themselves. So there's all these little things. And you know, you I've been at meetings where the committee says, oh, we're, we're all nominating each other. Right, and everybody goes, "Oh well, that's fair. Nothing you can do about that." And you sit there quietly, going, "Well, that's all totally illegal. None of you should be elected." But then you'd have to stand up yourself to do it. Yeah, so we actually know someone who, professionally, they're a lawyer, and they run a side business in coming into AGMs and kind of disrupting them almost by actually throwing the rule book at everybody all the time. And that yeah. it's kind of a, a horrible kind of thing. I never really. Yes, I know the know, person to whom you refer. Mm. Brilliant lawyer. Um, yeah, it's since been struck off, I believe. Yes, but not because of that side not business. Of I don't think stuff. he probably still does that. <laughs> yeah, well, he could. You don't. Mm. Need, you don't have to be a lawyer to go in and disrupt a, a meeting. No, that's right. But let's just say you don't want to throw the whole committee out. Can the committee get rid of their chairperson? I think so. Can't they just say they yep, want they somebody can. else? They can. They mm. can't get them off the committee. They no, can just because they've been voted onto the committee by a general meeting. Yes. So they can only be removed from the committee by a special resolution at a general meeting. But they can say, uh, look, we just want somebody else in that job. Now, that is in New South Wales and Victoria. I thought that you had to say, we take one vote to declare the thing, the position vacant, 
and then we take another vote to elect a chair. Or not just a chair, it could be the secretary or the treasurer. All you do is, you've got to put it on the agenda, first of all, but you say, we're going to elect a new chair. And then you get there and you say, I nominate Joan to be chair rather than Jeff. And uh, everybody has a vote, and if Joan gets more votes than Jeff, then she's the new chair. Mm. So it's a lot simpler than you would think, and it's basically the same in Victoria. Queensland, it's, it's really diff- very, very, very different. Did you know, for instance, you can get kicked off a committee in Queensland for not turning up for two successive meetings? Wow. There'd be lots of um, committees in New South Wales and Victoria. Though. Empty. <laughs> yeah. You just look, two successive two, meetings. You, two successive meetings without the permission of the committee. Wow. So, you know, you have to write to them and say, is it all right if I am not here next meeting as well? Because I wasn't there last meeting. And the committee can go, oh, yeah, all right, fair enough, hang on. But mm. uh, if you're somebody who's just joined the committee for no good reason or joined the, the committee because you wanted to put down timber floor and you've got your timber floor and you can't be bothered to turn up for any other meetings, um, mm. yeah, you can get kicked off. You can get kicked off your committee in Queensland if you are found guilty of an indictable offence under the law. Oh, wow. Well, that's quite a good rule, that's isn't it? That's a great it? rule, yeah. You know, if you were convicted of fraud or embezzling money, you don't really want to be have that person as a treasurer. No. <laughs> but the, the strange thing in Queensland is that their committee elections, first of all, they elect the office bearers. So you have the chair gets elected at a general meeting, at the annual general meeting, Somebody nominated as chair, they get elected. Somebody nominated as as uh, secretary, they get elected. I don't think a treasurer comes under this. Maybe they do. And then they elect the rest of the committee. So the chair and the the secretary are already in place, elected by the general committee, general meeting. So they cannot be removed by the committee. So it's they back to, to front, be, really. Yeah, they mm. have to. You have to go back to a general meeting and say we're going to elect a new chair or treasurer or uh, secretary. So it's a bit different. But then they do have those good rules about non-attendance. Quite mm, strict. Yeah. But presumably, if a, a committee wanted to get rid of a member that they didn't particularly like, mm. could they call meetings for difficult times that they knew that person couldn't make? And then not give them permission not mm, to attend. Yeah. That would be like You could call a meeting at 3am or something, but mm, yeah. Very sneaky, but I think doable. So now we know how to how to do a coup in your building. Um when we come back after this, we're going to talk about some of the funnier stories that have crossed our desks in the past week or so. That's after this. I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is... I'm against it, and even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it, I'm opposed to it, on general principles I'm opposed to it. He's opposed to it, in fact it means that he's opposed to it. For months before my son was born, I used to yell from night till morn, whatever it is, I'm against it. And I've kept yelling since I first commenced it. I'm against it. That was the late, great Groucho Marx singing I'm Against It from the movie Horse Feathers. Now, Sue, you've found a few people who seem to be against just about everything. Well, yeah, 
Yes, when I was away um, on assignment checking out apartments in the Balkans, yes. um, I met a, a Melbourne architect called Danny Mazeris, and he was over in the Balkans because his father was a famous sculptor, and oh. he did a, a very famous sculpture in Budapest of Shakespeare, which was widely acclaimed throughout the world. So anyway, Danny was there doing a homage to his dad. And when I was talking to him, he's been 45 years an architect in Melbourne. And he's done this series of cartoons, which always come up, comes over very well in a podcast, yes, I realise. looking at them, they're hilarious. <laughs> um, about um, crazy neighbour objections. to right. Because he's been frustrated over all his years of neighbours... Um, objecting to DA to, to development applications for mm. all sorts of things, for mm. apartment buildings, for houses, for extensions. And he says people will object for any reason, most of them absolutely ridiculous. And it was kind of it was kind of interesting. He'd love to do a book about it. He's talk, been talking about a book and he's got this great collection of cartoons, all from his own experience and those of his colleagues. Mm. He he kind of says that it's just that when neighbourhood disputes come up or when, you know, someone lives in an apartment and somebody next door wants to do some work, it brings out the absolute worst in people, this torrid <laughs> emotions, kind of yes. territorial. Which brings us back to what we were talking about earlier, about <laughs> mediation and, and exactly. getting rid of your chairman. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it was things like um, a, a woman he, he knew once objected very strongly to an extension that he was trying to, to design for one of her neighbours. And she objected in every single way she could possibly think of to this building. And he didn't understand why, because there seemed to be no basis for them whatsoever. And he finally found out it was because she had this lover and she wanted her lover to move into that building. All right. <laughs> she wanted the person to become so frustrated they'd sell and her, she wanted to move her lover in. So he was just handy next door. Wow. So she could sneak out while maybe her husband was asleep or something. I don't wow. know. Yeah. And another neighbour objected to a television aerial on a building being slightly over into their airspace and basically said the, the reason for his objection was that birds were scared to fly over them. <laughs> right. Birds were scared by the aerial. That's right, yes. Wow. And a, a neighbour excavated to the boundary line um, a metre and a half deep without any waterproofing and then objected to his neighbour's extension saying that had caused damp in his house, <laughs> not oh, wow. his own building stupidity. Um, and he and somebody else objected to a building saying that she'd be able to see it when standing in her bath. <laughs> Now, how often do you stand in your bath? I don't stand in my I bath don't too often. Ever. Really. Yes, no. exactly. So, yeah, so it was, it was actually really interesting. Some of these these cartoons he had. Um, a neighbour claimed that every single piece of gardening that her neighbour did had to be subject to a gardening permit. <laughs> wow. And he said, "Look, obviously, some people, you know, have a reason to object, but for every one sensible objection, there are often fifty baseless objections and he reckons we're becoming a nation of whingers all right nimbies well yeah i guess so well, i mean you, can you have nimbies in apartments because you don't have backyards well no that's right but maybe it's <laughs> then not no, in my balcony space aerial <laughs> balcony something beginning with why and he reckons that people are objecting more and more and it's because they're frustrated and there's so much more development going on and they feel really disempowered by the processes that are available to them. And I'm sure there's something in that too. Yeah, you just reminded me of a couple of stories I heard very, very early in, in our careers as writers about strata. One of them was about a person who objected 
to their neighbour placing an uh, an African witchcraft mask mm. in their window facing out onto their garden. So they every time they looked up this window, they were getting the evil eye from this African mask. <laughs> and the person who put the mask there said, well, they shouldn't be looking in my window. Oh, touche. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that was resolved. And there's another one about, uh, there was a woman who went to fair trading to have the person upstairs to ask them to urinate on the edge of the toilet bowl rather than directly into the water because their bathroom was above her bedroom and it woke her up oh, at night. Oh, no. That would be awful, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, and I think fair trading declined to make an order because they weren't prepared to send anyone to check whether it was being done or not. <laughs> Oh no, that would be that would drive me mad too. That would be horrendous. Yes. Um, some other neighbours objected to an apartment building going up on a, a, a empty block of land because it would ruin their shortcut to the beach. Oh. <laughs> well, there was that case in the Central Coast recently where somebody had built a he built a house with beach access, which he thought he was entitled to. And then discovered that the beach front or the the area belonged to somebody else, who fenced it off. So he had this house with no he couldn't no access to the house, no legal access to the house. The road at the back was blocked off, and the road at the front was blocked off. There was no way he could get to his house. Wow! Except by helicopter. Well, yeah, and of course the value of the house. You can Plummeted. Imagine, yeah. So how was that resolved in the I end? I have no idea. No. Maybe they moved the house. Wow. Well, usually these things are resolved by the application of large money. sums of money. Yes, yes. <laughs> buying a right of way. You know, you, you're over a barrel. You, somebody, somebody knows that your house is going to be worthless unless they allow you to create a path to the beach or to the main road. Sure, and they say nothing all the time you're building it to wait till the moment to strike. Yeah, we had a, a case near here. There was a back lane um, round the back of some houses. Um, which had been the old night soil lane, you know, and the you know where the the night soil collector would come at night to empty the buckets, and of course long unused for that purpose, but it belonged to one uh, house, and the owner of the house was frustrated that people were using that laneway to drive to park the cars in their own backyards, and he would put gates up and. They would padlocks would be broken, you know. People would just keep using it. So he put in an application for an apartment block, which was about <laughs> about three meters wide <laughs> and and very tall and thin to block it off. To block it off, basically to force the people in the houses to come and buy a share of the the access way off them, which wow. is what happened. This is and what yeah. we've become, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, we're terrible people mm. in apartments. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Sue. That was that was short and sweet and fun and interesting. Um, there's always something going on in Flat Chat, so uh, we'll keep you up to date here on the Flat Chat Wrap. Thanks to me. I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Well, that's the Flat Chat Wrap. For another week. If you want to get this podcast automatically, please subscribe. And if your service allows it, please give us a rating if you like us. If you want to know more about living in apartments, come to flat-chat.com.au. 
It's a very lively forum there where you can ask and even answer questions, or you can read my column every week in the Australian Financial Review. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Jimmy Thompson. Talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.